this is the portion of scripture. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. He also saw dealers and uh, he also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip. Jesus did make a whip. Let's think about that for a second. Jesus said, I, I, don't, I don't know what I think about this, except it makes me mad. Jesus went out, out and made a whip from some ropes and chased them out of the temple. How many of you know you'd feel pretty bad if you were one of those guys? Chased them out the temple. He drove out the sheep, the cattle, all the money changers, coins, all over the floor. Turned over the tables. Y'all feel the rain of God in here? <laughs> Let it fall. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, God. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from the scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. Now, I want us to get a picture because business was going on as usual with these people. And all of a sudden, it was disrupted by God, Jesus, God in the flesh, making a whip and driving people out. You might say, why was God so mad? I thought God was just a loving, peaceful, you know, why was God mad? You know, I thought about when uh, my daughter was about two or three years old, and uh, y'all remember those uh, bumbo seats? Can y'all hear me? Going out. Let's give God a hand. It's all right. We had that backup. We have a backup generator just in case, so... That might work. Um, <laughs> no worries. Look at your neighbor and say, it's, it's all good. <laughs> Y'all remember those bumbo seats? You know, you sat your kid in and they can't, like, go anywhere. You know, you know, they're like the helmet. You know, parents that put them on like a helmet. They got, you turn them upside down, put them on, and you kind of hit each other with it. Anyway, I came home one day, and the bumbo seat was sitting on the floor, and I was just getting ready to enjoy my evening. And when I went to go pick up the bumbo seat, there was a snake in the middle coiled up in the bumbo seat. I hate snakes. I despise, I despise snakes. Like the other day I was driving down the street and I was going about 45, 50 miles per hour and I passed up a snake. And I intentionally risked my life by putting it in reverse about 20 miles per hour just to hit that snake because I hate them. All snakes are bad to me. Can I get a witness? <laughs> anyway, because I knew this snake could hurt my child, I didn't just kill the snake. I, like, went crazy on the snake. You know, you don't know karate, but you know crazy. You know, I just went, I had a PVC pipe, and I was busting. It was already dead, but I'm still busting it. In the, I was like, you snake trying to get my child. This is how God feels about things that would hurt your life. Am I right about it? This is how God is when he sees things that will hurt you. See, God is not a God about a bunch of rules just to follow him and him be just your dictator. He knows what's best for your life. And so God saw this temple, 
saw things that were out of order, and he knew it was messing up God's house, and he drove them out. Now let's look at another portion of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. It says this. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Say that with me. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. One more time. My body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we see about the temple in the Bible, it always represents us. How many of you know that God wants to drive anything out in us that will hurt us? God wants to drive it out. God wants to get it out of our life so that we are not affected by it. See, the Bible says, if you read the rest of that scripture, it says that our life, our body is not even our own. We're leasing this earth suit, right? And God wants to make sure that we're good stewards of it. Am I right about it? God wants to make sure that we're good stewards of this. How many of you have a car? You have a car? How many of you know it has to be maintained? What are some things? What are some things that you have to do to a car to maintain a car? You got to check your oil. You got to check your tires. You got to have gas. Inspection sticker. You got to maintain your car. You got to maintain your car because if you don't maintain your car, the thing's going to blow up. Am I right about it? You'll be on the side of the road. You're thinking you just can go one more day without that oil change. You're on the side of the road, and your car might just blow up. Now, it's the same with us. Did you know studies show that four out of five people that go to the doctor, they go to the doctor for an illness that's stress-related? Four out of five people. Stress-related. How many of you know that life brings pressure? You might put on a happy face in here, like everything's fine. But life sometimes can bring pressure. They say that 40%, nearly half of the people, half of the people in here have habits that are hurting themselves because they're stressed. Almost half of the people pick up habits because they're stressed out, can't sleep, worrying, up at night. How many of you know that God didn't intend for us to live that way? And it's important, just like maintaining a car, you got to know the things that you got to maintain in your life so that you don't blow up, so that you don't get out the game, so that you don't get into, you, you might think it's crazy, but stress can bring adultery. Stress can bring addiction. Stress can be, bring abandonment. You think you're fine. You think you're okay. You think the car, the engine light's been on for a while, but you think you can go one more week, and before you know it, the engine blows up, and you end up making stupid decisions. The people that think they'll never make the stupid decision are usually the ones that do make the stupid decisions. Am I right about it? How many of you know that we got to take care of this temple now, the title of my message is Maintaining a Vigorous Life. Maintaining a Vigorous Life. Let me ask you a question. Let's put this first picture on the screen. If you were a car, would you look more like this? <laughs> I know some Christians that look like that. Or this. 
How many of you want to look like that instead of, let's look at the other one, that. I mean, run down, not going anywhere, out of the game. You probably heard these sayings many times. You probably said these sayings. I'm so stressed out. I'm overwhelmed. I can't do this. I feel pressure. Anybody said those things? Because why? That's life. That's life. There's nobody in life that doesn't feel those things, but it's those that deal with it in a correct manner are able to have a vigorous life. How many of you want a vigorous life? The Bible says to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I love the portion of scripture with Caleb, he got an old age, and the Bible said he was still vigorous. That the righteous will remain vigorous and like a strong palm tree. You know, I, I believe that when we begin to line ourselves up with the word of God, we, we become vigorous. Look at your neighbor and say, you're looking vigorous. Now let's pray. Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We pray that you speak to us in a practical way. That you touch us. That you show us things to begin to do so that we can take care of this temple that you've given us. We thank you for it in advance in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen. Have you, um, have you ever had just one of those days? One of those days, like, it seemed like everything piled up at once. You went to bed. You knew you had to wake up early. You had to get to work early. And then one of your kids is throwing up like the exorcist, like, just, like, everywhere. And you're up in the middle of the night cleaning, throw up, trying to thank Jesus, you know. You're not getting any sleep whatsoever. It's finally time for you to go to work. You finally go to work, and you get your coffee because you need it. And then you're walking out the door and the coffee spills on your brand new white crisp shirt that you just ironed. You know those kind of days? Like last night I step into my closet and I don't know why, but an Allen wrench was sitting straight up. I stepped right on the Allen wrench. That thing went all the way in my foot. I had to get Leah to dig it out. I was like, thank God for this sermon because I might just have lost it just, just, just then. You leave out the door. You leave out the door and somebody runs you off the road and you get a flat tire because you got a nail from a flat tire. Now you're on the, how many of you know sometimes you want to point at them with the wrong finger? Come on, somebody. <laughs> oh, y'all are so spiritual you don't ever feel like that? Come on. <laughs> I mean, you're on the side of the road. You get your jack out to jack up the car. The jack breaks. Now you got to call AAA and AAA's got to come out and change your car. This has happened to me, folks. You get to work. You get to work, things are like, what is going on? Somebody doesn't show up. you got to cover their part. Your boss might be breathing down your neck. This is real life. Am I right about it? You leave work. You get your kids. Finally, I give my kids some joy. One of them has a D on their report card. Another one just got in a fight and the teacher wants to meet with you. The same day. This didn't really happen to me, but I'm just giving an example. The same day, you get home, the dog's tangled up in the bushes. You get home, things are wrong. Things are tough. 
things are hard. Then your spouse is mad at you because you didn't say they looked sexy that day. And you're like, I can't catch a break. Do you know what I've been going through? I can't catch a break. You finally get ready. You finally get your PJs on. You're about to lay down in bed, and you realize that you don't have any toilet paper. Then you have to go to Family Dollar, see Mindy, (laughs) 10 o'clock at night, because you know she's there stocking shelves. We've all had those days, and we all know that there are times that you think, oh, that's just a bad day. Did you know people, the majority of people that are incarcerated or have made really bad decisions came about by one really bad decision. They had the engine light on, but they didn't take care of themselves. Am I right about it? And because they didn't, they can find themselves in a bond. I want to give you five essentials for managing a vigorous life. Let me ask you, why do you change your brakes on your car? So you can stop. You can slow down, right? It's important because if you don't stop, you're going you're gonna to crash. So it's important that you're able to change your brakes. You need to know that you got to change your brakes. This brings me to my first point. you got to learn how to take a rest. Well, that's not spiritual. That's, you know, that's not like... That's not like from God. We need to always, no, 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 let's look at something really quick. Because God is our ultimate example. Am I right? Genesis 2, 3. And God blessed them in the seventh day and declared it holy. It's talking about the world he created. Because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. How many of you know you need a day to rest? If you don't have a day to rest... You're cruising, you're going to run into something, there's going to be a crash. Your body gets sick, things happen, you're not feeling vigorous. Why? Because you didn't say, you know what, some of you, I know, you got things going and you have no choice but to work that much. But how much, how many of you want to work towards having a day of rest? A day, because God said this is what, that's why God has a Sabbath day. So I want you to come to church, I want you to give Uh, Glory to me, I want you to thank God for all the work that you did through the week. I want you to take a day and thank God. Now, it's important to know that we have to learn how to push the pause button at least one day a week. Am I right about it? So in other words, Lee and I, it's this challenge. We're sitting down, but there has to be a day when we work together. So there has to be a day when there's like no work talk, no bills talk, no problems with the kids talk. Am I right about it? Sometimes you got to turn off your cell phone. Somebody's believing it. Sometimes you got to turn off your cell phone and you got to put it away. I got to make this call. They can wait. How many of you love going to the mountains because you don't get reception? You know, these, these cell phones, they're good, but they're messing us up. I feel like I'm going crazy sometimes. You ever felt like your phone was going off in your pocket and not, nothing's happening? You think somebody's calling? Isn't that weird to you? I heard somebody say we're like a bunch of lab rats in an experiment with this phone thing. Because this is the thing. They say a normal person touches their phone 
six to ten times in an hour that they touch their phone probably 300 times a day, over 300 times just scrolling. Some of you youth, it's like more like 15,000 scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. There's something wrong when the only thing that goes off in your brain, the only dopamine that goes off in your brain is because you got a like on Facebook. There's something wrong when that's the only thing that brightens your day. Oh, I'm liked. Am I right about it? Sometimes you got to say, I'm turning off the phone. I got to take a rest. I got to get rid of everything. You know, you're having a good day, you're scrolling, and that friend of yours went on the 10th vacation of the year. And you're like, man, why didn't, how, how come, you know, it, the thing is, just take a pause, take a rest. And, and, and we think it's responsible. We think it's responsible to always be answering our emails and always be answering our phone. But really the responsible thing is take a day to pause and say this day is a holy day. Now, did you know that the word holiday came from holy day? It was where you stop and you thank God for all the work that he gave you the power to do throughout the whole week. Am I right about it? It was a time to stop, put everything up, and celebrate. How many of you know we need to celebrate a little bit more? On your day off, you need to celebrate all the good things that God has done. If we forget to celebrate the small victories, then we will get so caught up that life is never good and you're never vigorous. But during the week, you got to stop. And yes, I know there's a list of things that went wrong. But you got to stop and you got to begin to say, but this is what God is doing. And let's celebrate, right? I love uh, on encounters after an encounter. We we have a good encounter. I go straight to Whopper King, uh, Whopper King, Burger King. They should call it Whopper King. <laughs> I get a double Whopper with cheese, Biggie size it, right? I don't do that all the time, but I you got to learn to celebrate, which really ruins my next point. <laughs> Just wait for it. <laughs> Let's look at this really quick. Number two. Let me ask you this. Why do you have engine coolant? You got you to gotta cool off, right? Look at your neighbor and say, you got to chill out. You know, you know how you chill out? You know with your body and your life how you chill out? It's actually the opposite. Sometimes you got to get moving. Am I right about it? We have to take a walk sometimes. You know, if, I, if I'm getting really uptight, Leah's like, you either got, I know I either got to work out or I need some loving, even one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> I need some, I need, I need to go, I need to go take a walk. Pastor Jen said, that's the one you're choosing. Taking a walk. <laughs> Let's go to the Bible. Third John 1 2. I knew I had some husbands backing me up. <laughs> That's wrong. Third John 1 2. My dear friend, I pray that everything may go well with you and that you may be in good health. 
as I know you are in spirit. It looks like God cares about our health. It looks like God cares about our spirit, but he cares about our health. Look, when my dog doesn't get walked, that dude is depressed. You would think you would be running around going crazy. He's just like laying there like I have no purpose in life. You know what I mean? When he doesn't get walked. Why? Because we were built to be able to get some exercise. We were built to, that's how we cool off. Look, Jesus, when he went to go pray, the Bible says he climbed a mountain. Have you ever tried to climb a mountain? He goes and climbs a mountain to pray. Probably because he's fed up with Peter and John. There's several times he's like, how long do I have to deal with you? I'm going to take a walk and go pray. Listen, instead of trying to hash it out with your spouse, you might need to pause and go take a walk. Go take a walk. Go, go, go to the gym. Go get some exercise out. Amen? You might say, well, this is not really spiritual. No, it's very spiritual. Because God says, I want you to take care of yourself. I want you to be well-maintained. Go buy a Fitbit. You know what I mean? You sit down with a Fitbit and it says, you haven't been moving for 15 hours. Start stepping. You know what I mean? It starts to say, I got to get something to motivate to get some energy out because that trapped energy, it can, it can turn into problems if you don't allow that to, if you don't have an outlet, get some energy out, get some exercise. Let me ask you this, what happens when your car gets bad gasoline? You ever had bad gasoline, had too much water in it or something like that? The car won't even ignite. And sometimes even if it ignites, it doesn't run right, it's all messed up. This is the third thing, which I sound like a hypocrite with my Whopper analogy, but eat right. Eat right. Eat right. <laughs> you, ever, you ever been to been with somebody or you've done it yourself where you, you go to Burger King or somewhere and you're like, give me a biggie size everything but a Diet Coke just because I'm on a diet, just because I'm being healthy. Give me a, give me a water with that. Have you seen what Coke does to a battery? I love Coke. I say eat away, eat away, but don't let things control your life. Come on. Listen, celebrate. God wants you to enjoy your life, but he doesn't want life to control you. Where you can't say no. Where you can't say, you know what, give me the grilled sandwich. You know what I'm saying? Look, eat, enjoy your life. But how many of you know you, you need to have some good fuel in there? Because if you're not eating right, you're not getting enough water, you're not going to run right. You're wondering why, oh, I feel so tired, I feel so lethargic, I don't feel good. Well, it might have been those four spicy chicken sandwiches you ate that day. <laughs> it's not supposed to go in your body. It's all processed, nothing's like, look, you're not going to get vitamins from eating Starbursts. You know what I mean? It might sound like it, might taste like it, but you're not going to get energy from Starbursts. You need to eat some fruit. And look, we're all guilty of it, but it, there does become a point where you got to say nope. And that's what Jesus knew our flaws. That's why Jesus suggested that we fasted. What does fasting does? It clears your spirit, but it also gives you self-discipline to say no. Because if you can't say no, then it only bleeds over into other parts of your life. And God says, listen, when you fast, do this. So, even now, we're starting a 21-day fast. What are things, <laughs> one person's excited about that. 
<laughs> what are some things you got to say no to? You know, they say if you're going to break a habit, you need to go a whole month without having something. What are things that you need to say no to? A simple thing is to say, you know what, I'm staying away from that. I'm going to fast that. I've been watching too much TV. It's not that TV's bad. It's not that movies are bad. It's not that, none of that. But it's when it, it consumes your life. How many of you know that God wants you to conquer life and be vigorous, not life conquering you? How many of you know that we got to take care of the temple? Number four. Number four. And I can get somebody to come and play. Number four. Maintain and enjoy good relationships. How many of you know this is healthy for us? Maintain and enjoy. How many of you know when you get tires, you got to rotate your tires and you got to balance them? Am I right? If your best friend is only your spouse, then that, that's not that healthy. I know we say, you know, you're my best friend. You're the only person that I ever need to hang out with. But the truth is you need other friends. Girls, you need to hang out with girls. Guys, you need to hang out with guys. Couples need to hang out. you got to have friends. We're created. If it was just us and God, then God would have never told Adam, you need a woman in your life. And you need to multiply. God would have never said that if it's good for us to be alone. That's why God's given us relationships. So it's important that we know how to balance them. It's important that we know how to rotate them. Because you shouldn't just be stuck with you and your crew and you're through. Am I right about it? God built us to meet people and know people and, and, and expand our horizon when it comes to relationships. Your family's important. Enjoy them. Come on, somebody. You might think it's a bad thing, but when you get in the house, enjoy your family. Play the pie face challenge with your kids. That's like a kid's Russian roulette. Never mind. You get, okay. You get, <laughs> you get whipped cream and you put this little thing and, and the person that it hits you in the face. It, listen, I know that the thing, the, uh, the whipped cream is going to be in your nose for a whole week. But they want to do it. So have some fun with them. Have fun with your wife. Quit acting old. Get dressed up and go somewhere. Even if you have nowhere to go. Walk down the streets of the busy streets of Hammond. <laughs> Get some excitement in your life, right? Relationships. Make mentors. Make mentors a priority. Someone that's further than you. If you can only hang out with people that are as gifted as you or less, then you're going to stay that way. Find people that are further than you. Say, I want to take you out to lunch. Come on, can I buy you a coffee? Have a couple questions to ask them. Spend time with them. They're busy people. Bless them. Get some mentors in your life. It's got to be a part of your life. Am I right about it? If you don't set it, you're not going to do it. Number three, covenant relationships. Who's going in the same direction that you're going with your purpose? Have covenant relationships in your life. Make it a priority. Number four, meet new people. People that are not like you. Meet people that are not like you. Be friends with people that aren't like you. The thing that I loved about Billy Graham, you know, he was friends with Johnny Cash. Can you imagine that? Billy Graham was friends with Johnny Cash before Johnny Cash, like, you know, got saved. He was friends with Johnny Cash. You know what? Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton referred to Billy Graham as a friend. 
Well, he's a Democrat. I can't be friends with them. They're Republican. They're Jewish. They're Catholic. Who cares? God says love people. They're black. They're white. I don't have anything. No, no, no. Love people. People are people. You might just learn something. You might just get sharpened. You might have something that they need, and they might have something that you need. Make it a priority to love people. That's what Christianity is about anyway, right? Let's sum this whole thing up. Love God with everything and love others as yourself. Not just your family. Not just people that you're in covenant with. But people that you don't know. People that are different than you. Listen, the church should be every color, every race, every age. It should be so multicultural that you can't tell what it is because it's the church. It's everybody because we love everybody. We don't label you because you're in a certain party. We don't label you. Listen, you might not have a relationship with Jesus. We want to hang out with you. Come to church. Well, I don't know if I believe. Good, awesome. Let's talk about it. Let's hang out. Let's get together. We don't say you, you got to be saved to come to this church. You have to have a relationship with God. We hope you do one day. We hope it catches up with you. But how many of you know the church that needs to be open, open doors to anybody and everybody? Which brings me to my fifth point, and I'm going to close. This reminds me of checking your oil. Checking your oil. I mean, you know, if, you're oil, if you don't check your oil, you're going to burn up. You're going to blow up. This is number five. Prioritize prayer and the word. Prioritize prayer in the word. Let's look at Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Don't worry about anything. Wow. How, God? I'm going to read that again. Don't worry about anything. Instead. See, there is not like, I'm just not going to worry about it. There has to be an instead. You can't say, well, I'm just not going to think about it. No, there needs to be an instead. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. God gives us a secret. He gives us an ingredient. You say, well, you know, I'm not going to bother the big man upstairs with my little problems. No, he cares about your problems because he's a father. And let me tell you, when you're a father, you care about the small things. Am I right about it? Instead, pray about everything. If we prayed about everything, we'd be praying a lot. Quit thinking about it. Quit trying to just change your mind about it or put it on the back burner. Pray about it. Say, I don't know how to pray. Talk to God like you would your friend. God, I don't like this. Help me out with this. How, what, show me direction. And listen what happens. It says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. In other words, it says this. You, don't, you will pray and you will thank God and you'll have so much peace even though there's chaos around you. You will pray and you will thank God. It doesn't mean all the time, just in an instant, it changes your circumstances. But in an instant, it gives you peace. In an instant, all of a sudden, you're thinking right. How many of you know that thanking God is the beginning of praying? When you begin to thank God, it begins to change your perception. You know, some people say, 
the glass is half empty. Some people say the glass is half full, but some people say, thank God I have a glass. Some people come to God and they're thankful, and it changes their perception. It might not be as bad as you think. I've learned that two people can look at the same thing and have a totally different perception. Two people can look at the same thing. One person looks at it as horrible. The other person looks at it as opportunity, that God's going to turn this around. You got to pray. You got to thank God. You got to take time out of your day and say, God, this is what I need. God, this is who you are. And begin to pray and begin to declare the word because it is the antidote for your worry, your stress, your pressure. You say, Evan, yeah, I know all these things. See, that, that's the problem, right? We know all the right things to do, but it's just difficult to do it. That's the problem. Go buy another diet book. It's going to say the same thing as the other one. We know what to do. We have understanding. We even have knowledge. But you know what wisdom is? Wisdom is the gift from God to put that understanding and knowledge into practice. So you say, I know what to do. I just can't do it. That's why we need God. Paul was feeling the same way. Can we read about it? And we're going to close right here. Romans 7, 21 through 25. I have discovered this principle in life. Let me give him a second to put it on the screen. I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Anybody ever been there? I want to do right, but inevitably I do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. You ever felt that way? This power makes me feel like a slave to sin that is still within me. He says this, and I know you felt this before. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? And then he begins to give us the answer. He says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of the sinful nature of sin, I'm a slave to it. And he goes on to say, but because of God, he gives me the right desires. He gives me the right thoughts. He gives me the right actions. Not because you're just so good and you got it all together. But you come to him and you realize you realize that God is going to give you the power to overcome. That God is going to put the right desires in you. He's going to heal you. The Bible says that by his stripes, when they whipped his back with the cat and nine tails, by his stripes, you are healed. That sounds vigorous to me. I mean, not just healed, but God healed. Not just healed, not just energized, but God energized. Healing. Strength. Vigorous. Why? Because you believe that he paid the price, that your body can be changed, that your mind can be changed, that your emotions can be changed, that your will can be changed. You start applying that blood, you say, God, I keep making the wrong decisions and my, my taking day off sleep and all the family, all the, I need your blood because it paid the price for me to get strong. You know what happens? 
You know what happens when you say, I need your blood, that thing that you did on the cross, shedding your blood, I need your blood to have strength. Then God gets, it's like a whip. He gets all the things that don't belong in us, and he gets rid of them. You say, I don't know how to get rid of this. Rely on God, and he'll help you get rid of it. He'll get that thing, and he'll drive it out of you. You know what he'll do? He'll give you self-control. The whip was made of 39 tails. Three is a number of completion. Nine is a number of fruits of the Spirit. If you summed up the fruits of the Spirit, you know what you have? Self-control. Self-control. How many of you want to say, God, I know what you want me to do, but give me the power to do it. If you're saying that today, I want to pray for you. And I believe that as you pray with me, that God's going to begin to change you because he's real. Aren't you glad you serve a real God? He's not dead. Like that song says, he's surely alive. The same way he walked around 2,000 years ago, healing the sick, raising the dead. He's here today. The Bible says when we're together in, in his, when we're together as a body, he's in our midst. He's in here today. He can set you free. Just like when someone was lame and he would go over and touch them. You say, well, I don't know if I believe that. It's history. It's real. It's documented. Jesus was real. He came on the earth and he changed the world. He made the world upside down. Come on. It's never been the same since Jesus came on the earth. It's documented. The Theologians say that you can't even count. You can't even count all the miracles that Jesus did while he was on the earth for three years. And that same Jesus is in our midst today. Are you thankful you serve a real God? He doesn't want you to feel like you have it all together. He wants you to believe that he can do it through you. Maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I just feel like God is far away from me. I feel like I don't really have a relationship with God. That engine light is on. It's been blinking. God's been trying to get your attention. All you got to do is say, God, I believe in you. All you got to do is to say, I believe that you died, you rose again, and I want you in my life. That's all you got to do is you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. And I want to give you an opportunity if, if you feel far away for, from God and don't have a relationship with God. I want to pray for you because I believe that today is the day of salvation. That God doesn't want you to... Try to fix everything, then come to God and do the God thing. God wants you to come to him, and he's going to fix it for you. He's going to line things out for you. If everybody can close their eyes and bow their heads, I want to pray for you today. You say, you know what, I feel far away from God. I need a relationship with God. I want you to say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus. Come on, say it with me. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I believe that you died that you were buried, and that you rose again. Lord, I recognize that it was my sins that you put you on the cross. And I repent. Come on, right where you are with your own mouth, say, God, I'm sorry. I turn away, and I ask you to come into my life. If you said that prayer with me with nobody looking around, if you can just slip up your hand, I'm not going to embarrass you. I see you. I see you in the back, I see you in the front, I see you in the side, all over the room. You say, you know what, that today is the day of salvation. I see you. 
You can put your hands back down. The Bible says when you pray that prayer, your sins go as far as the east to the west. They're no more. That you have a clean slate. If you say, you know what, I need to start to have a vigorous life. Make some of God's principles a lifestyle. That's you today. I just want you to stand up right where you are. Stand up right where you are. Say, you know what, I, I want that self-discipline. I want to live a vigorous life. I want to take that time out. I want the right desires. This is what we're going to do. I want you to picture. I want you to picture the cat of nine tails and when they whipped Jesus 39 times. That blood that came from his back when they whipped him 39 times. He paid the price for us to have self-control and to have healing and to be strong. Some of you, maybe you have some sickness in your body. By his stripes, you are healed. That diabetes has to go in the name of Jesus. That cancer has to go in the name of Jesus. Come on, do you believe that by his stripes you are healed? If you believe that today, just lift up your hands. I'm going to pray for you. I want you to say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe that because of your blood I can come into healing. Come on, I want you to give him right now all those things that have been tripping you up. All those things that keep you from having self-control, tell, tell them right now, I give this to you. I give this to you. Those bad habits, those, those things that have caused you to get into actions because of pressure. Come on, right where you are, I want you to say, I give this to you. And right where you are, you're going to have God, you're going to have a thought that comes to you. And you're going to begin to see the things that you need to do. You're going to begin to see the things that you need to do. Take a, take a pause. The things that, that you need to implement in your life. Come on. If you see those things, I want you to just lift your hands. And I want you to thank God right where you are that he's given you the grace and the power to overcome and accomplish those things. From here on out, you're living a vigorous life. From here on out, you're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Lord, we thank you. That we don't have to live this life on our own, but we can be strong in you because of what you paid for. We thank you for it today in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, if you believe it today, can you give God a hand? Come on, give God a shout today. He is good. I want you to just hug your neighbor. Tell him I'll see you this week, and I'm glad you're here. I'll see you this week.